air and online at 960thebull.com. Your home for CBS Sports Radio, WRNS Kinston, Sports Talk 960 The Bull. CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College. I am Brian Hanks. It is hump day, Wednesday, May the 24th in the year of our Lord 2023. This is Hour 2 of episode 866 of this fine show that is presented to you every single day by Lenore Community College. If you missed the first hour of today's show, you missed a, a very good hour. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. Had uh, Scott Whittington sitting in this morning. I know typically we have Junius Smith third on as our Wednesday uh, first hour guest. As you know, I mean, if you listen to this show, you definitely know. Uh, uh, Junius underwent uh, brain surgery yesterday at a hospital here in North Carolina and is recovering from that. Uh, we're providing updates over on our Facebook feed, um, on my Facebook feed. And just let you know, I will be heading up there later on or heading to the hospital later on today to go see him. And, uh, just can't wait to share with him how much everybody uh, cares about him, but wanted again, thank uh, Scott Whittington for uh, sitting in the son of Kinston, Scott Whittington sitting in. Even though Scott had kind of a rough uh, sports day yesterday. I mean, his Orioles lost an extra innings uh, to uh, Greg Clemens' Yankees. His Pirates lost yesterday in the AAC tournament in extra innings. I mean, it was just not a good day. His Hurricanes are uh, facing elimination in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you know what? Scott is a trooper. Stepped right up, and uh, we just had a, a, a good visit with him really enjoyed uh enjoy every time we have scott on here he's show intern son son of kenston uh the pride of ecu football now he uh gave us the news that he is now an equipment manager for the ecu football team how freaking cool is that um but uh man just i uh, really do appreciate him and again please send prayers up for uh junius uh, i'll have more details about that later on the big news of the day yesterday though was uh the sa- the official sale of the uh, Down East Wood Ducks and the Hickory Crawl Dads to a company called Diamond Baseball Holdings. They are um, a, a company that is uh, based out of the Southeast. But uh, that was uh, one news. We actually broke that. Uh, I broke that yesterday. Uh, but then we had uh, breaking out of Spartanburg, South Carolina, that uh, the team is going to be moved there as soon as the 2025 season. So uh, we're going to be talking to our second-hour guest, Wade Howell, about all that stuff here in just a few moments as we're going to get him here on the line with us. Before we do that, though, let's thank a couple of our sponsors. want to thank, uh, for sure, uh, uh, Rendell Parrot Academy, the largest independent non-sectarian college prep school in the region. Uh, Listen, it's located on a beautiful 80-acre campus, Right here in Kenston, Parrot Academy draws students from all over eastern North Carolina, including Kenston, Greenville, Snow Hill, Hookerton, New Bern, Wilson, Goldsboro, Trenton, Maysville, Pollocksville, Jacksonville. In fact, if you're listening to this show right now over the air, uh, then you can send your child to the best private school in eastern North Carolina. It is Arundel Parrot Academy. Parrot Academy students receive acceptances from colleges and universities across the country and around the world. Give them a call at 252-522-4222 or visit their beautiful campus at 1901 Dobbs Farm Road right here in Kenston. Also want to thank Woodman Life. I've had my life insurance with Woodman Life for more than 10 years. I could not be happier with it. 
Uh, Woodman just does so much for so many people in Eastern North Carolina. I am proud to be a Woodman member, Woodman Life member. I would love for you to be also. Thank you to Danny Rice, Jared Edwards, Woodman Life, for sponsoring the Brian Hanks Show. If you need a good life insurance quote or even financial advice, call Jared at 252-361-2414 or visit him at uh, 1136 Highway 258 North in Kenston, beside Highland Furniture, that is across from uh, uh, from uh, from Sale Automall. And then finally, thank you to Spence Automotive. It's where I get my car service. It's absolutely positively where you should go to. Located at 603 Plaza Boulevard in the oh <laughs> Shane Albee. I'm just now seeing this from the first hour as I'm pulling up my phone here. He said, "Smiling Scott, I love it." Uh, listen, Spence Automotive is where I get my car service. It's where you should go to. Uh, it's at 603 Plaza of the Boulevard in the old Firestone building next to the Piggly Wiggly and Big Lots. Spence Automotive is owned by local sports writing legend Keith Spence and is open Monday through Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Spence Automotive takes care of all your car care needs and also sells great tires, too. Give Keith a call at Spence Automotive at 252-686-5011 the next time you need your car service. When you need new tires, tell him the Brian Hank Show sent you and joining us. Right now, usually he's sitting across from us. I get to see his smiling face as he's sitting across from me, but he's joining me live from Asheville on our Spence Automotive guest line. It's our good friend, Wade Howell. How are you doing this morning, Wade? What's, what's the temperature up in Asheville right now? Um, I don't know. It's, it's not cool. It's, it's nice. Probably 50s, maybe 60s. So a nice, uh, nice start to a summer day. There you go. And I, I love me some Asheville. I uh, just, I, I love, I spent the weekend, as you know, up in uh, Western North Carolina and North Wilkesboro. Anyway, the North Wilkesboro Speedway and had a blast up there, but I forgot it is. It's true. It's about five, seven, eight degrees difference. And even in North Wilkesboro, right there in the foothills than it is down here in Kenston and, and, uh, Eastern North Carolina. And, Tack on another five degrees when you're up in the highlands of uh, Asheville and Buncombe County and all that, right? Yeah, in God's country. In God's country, indeed. That's what I'll call it. Wade Howell joining us today. Uh, former, and it feels weird to say this, but the former general manager, former president of the Down East Wood Ducks and the Hickory Crawl Dads, and uh, man, we had you scheduled to come on today anyway, just to get caught up on everything, uh, because I want to talk some NFL futures. I actually spent about an hour in pre-show uh, just looking at stuff, and I got questions for you about that. And we were primarily going to talk about that and just pick your brain on uh, NFL stuff, and then all this breaking news happens yesterday with our Down East Wood Ducks and with uh, the Hickory Crawl Dads. And, well, we got you on the show anyway and scheduled to come on. We might as well talk about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to. Again, I'm, I'm, you know, I think we, you know, I don't know how many other people know. I'm not with the Rangers anymore, so I resigned a few months ago uh, to kind of move along. And I mean, partly knowing what was coming with this, and kind of knowing the job that would be changing and stuff, and you know that that would well going away, I guess. Um, so uh, you know, it was time to kind of make a a, a change anyway in direction of career, and and uh, we had moved here. I've lived in Nashville for about a year now, a little bit over a year, actually almost 15 months now. So, um, so it was something that, that, uh, was kind of coming now for a little bit over a year, I guess, for me of just kind of moving along to a different direction. I know the teams are still doing well there with, with John and, and, uh, our GM and, and, uh, Hickory as well. 
Well, sad news for us here. Uh, and again, uh, Scott Whittington and I talked about it in the first hour. We talked about it uh, in previous days, too, when it seemed imminent. Uh, Patrick Johnson out of uh, Greenville had reported a couple weeks ago, might have even been three weeks ago, the, about the potential of this, about the sale of uh, the Wood Ducks, about the potential of a move to Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I got to tell you, uh, Wade, he took a lot of guff for that. I mean, not for me, but uh, I know – there were TV, let's just say there were TV reporters and TV stations in this area and even politicians in our, in our city who kind of took shots at that and said, oh, that's never going to happen. We're going to have the wood ducks forever here. And, uh, turns out he was right, Wade. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen the, the Spartanburg as official. I just saw the, the newspaper articles that, that were out there yesterday. Um, but I don't think I've seen anything official on that. So, but, the Obviously, the sale of the teams is official, and I think that you know the confusing thing probably was that for a lot of people in the market from a couple of months ago, right, was that you know the the Rangers were working on two separate things, right? They were working on a project with Leland to build a you know a stadium and an entertainment district and to do all this other stuff that had nothing to do with the Wood Ducks, and then also obviously having conversations about selling the Wood Ducks, so. I think that was a confusing part for people too, because it seemed like the team. If you, I mean, I, I understand how it could be confusing. That it seems like, and if you're building a stadium there and you own a team, and and there was going to be one there that would be the Wood Ducks, but you know, obviously people see that would not. That's rumored not to be the truth. Now if they're moving to Spartanburg, you know, and the, and and the Leland project still moves forward. So, uh, but as we talked, it's it, you know, there's. Uh, the Rangers got into owning the teams. I've seen a lot of stuff about like the city didn't support it. So it was just about making money. It was, I mean, the Rangers really got into owning their minor league baseball teams just to control the environment that the team was in. Right. I think people understood that is that, you know, to begin with is that, you know, we were front office were Rangers employees and behind the clubhouse were Rangers employees. So um, there wasn't a third party owner that you had to go to and ask for, you know, more items for the clubhouse or second bus or more hotel rooms or, you know, improved batting, you know, BP equipment, whatever it might be, right? You were all on the same team. So to control that and control the environment the team was in is really why the Rangers got into the minor, minor league baseball business, um, you know, and kind of spurned from the, the low A team in, in Myrtle Beach, um, you know, the ended up that that's where the Rangers were for a long time. It was a great relationship, and they kind of got moved out of there because they didn't own the team. So that's when the decision was made that we need to own teams. But then Major League Baseball now owns minor league baseball and controls it. There's no minor league baseball ownership. It's run and owned by Major League Baseball. So the way that the team would want to control things for, you know, a Major League Baseball team would want to control things for the affiliate. MLB does that for them now. Um, you know, if you notice the DBH, uh, website and their press release. A lot of the teams that they're buying, I think they own 12 or 13 teams now, are teams that are owned by Major League Baseball teams. Um, and that's because Major League Baseball teams just don't need to own their affiliates anymore because Major League Baseball runs minor league baseball. So the things that they would want to control and try to, you know, make sure that the team was in a good environment, especially the facility stuff that people have heard a lot about, you know, Major League Baseball is pushing that down from the top. So clubs don't need to own their affiliates to make sure those things are done for them at the individual level. So that's really kind of the, 
the reason, I guess, for the Rangers are getting out of not really from a support standpoint and making money. The club's never made a ton. The profit margin was never that huge on them. It's really just that Major League Baseball kind of goes running things for um, you know, the clubs and can require through that PDL. And it's a 10-year PDL, too. So that situation is not going to change for a long time. There you go. That voice you listen to is Wade Howell, former general manager of uh, the Down East Wood Ducks, president of the Down East Wood Ducks, too, uh, has been out of that role now for a few months. And uh, one of the things uh, you alluded to, you kind of saw this coming down the road, This uh, the potential of this, of the, te- the team being sold. Uh, and as you said, I mean, that's what led you to perhaps even wanting to get out. I mean, what, what were the indications you were getting that made you think that this was going to happen, Wade? Well, I think it's, it's just what I said. That there's really not, you know, the there's not really the same motivation that exists in 2017 for an MLB club to own their affiliates. Um, and because, it, you know, back then there was a organization that was minor league baseball. So it was a separate group than Major League Baseball that ran minor league baseball. Um, so they didn't necessarily, you know, they weren't – Getting, I guess they were the oversight of all the teams and the and the clubs and things like that weren't done by Major League Baseball, and that's not the case anymore. That changed in it was coming out of COVID, right? Twenty one, I think this is the third year of Major League Baseball. I mean, clearly there's a minor league baseball system. People still refer to it as minor league baseball, but that office in St. Pete, whatever it is in Tampa, does not exist anymore. I mean, minor league baseball is run out of Major League Baseball office in New York, um, so. A lot of the changes that were made coming out of that, that were in the PDL, you know, the two buses or three buses, and the, the team started buying the water and the food and snacks for the clubhouse, and that, you know, commuter trips went from 100 miles to 50 miles, and the hotel rooms that teams were responsible for, for paying for went from like 17 a night to 24 a night, and teams used to not, you know, go in the old system, didn't come in early. And didn't stay late. Now they come in early and they stay late. All those things and all those expenses were now put on the affiliate because, you know, Major League Baseball was was kind of restructuring and that's how things were run. So, so I think there were rumors out there anyway when that started where people were like, well, there's no reason for MLB clubs to own their affiliates because MLB is basically telling, you know, telling the affiliates how they have to run things anyway. So why do you, it's just redundant for an MLB team to run them. So, you can take that money, you know, if, it's, if you're making one or two percent on your money for an investment, you can turn that around and, you know, find another way to invest it and do other projects if you're an MLB team and make, you know, 10, 12, 15 percent, whatever it might be. So that's side from the business sense, you know, I, I think people are just looking at that. And again, DBH is, you know, Salem Red Sox, which is not only wholly owned by the Red Sox, but Red Sox sold Rome Braves, who the Braves owned, the Rangers two teams. I don't know who else they own, but again, it's a lot of the MLB teams now are like willing sellers for their minor league teams because everything's kind of being controlled by MLB of how how uh, the minor leagues are operated anyway. Wow, well, a lot of blame, and again, that voice, Wade Howell, you're very funny, dude. I couldn't believe I looked at it. You've not been on since July. I mean, dude, you—it's been ten months since you've been on the show. What in the world, dude? I, you know, the phone line's open both ways, so. <laughs> I remember asking you a couple of times, though. But anyway, you know what? Hey, we've got you on this morning. That's all that matters. John, it, 
John and Greg Clemens are much more better guests than uh, <laughs> than I am for Wood Ducks Wednesday. There you go. It is Wood Ducks Wednesday. We've got our good friend Wade Howell on the phone with us right now. He is live from Asheville. And I, I want to go back to uh, the Wood Ducks stuff because I do have several questions, and I've got questions coming in right now from folks that are wanting me to ask you. Uh, but, but get us caught up. What, what are you doing now? You, you know, we knew you for five years as initially as a general manager of our, uh, franchise here and then Hickory, then the president of both, uh, of both of those organizations. What are you doing now in Asheville? Um, I am working as a financial advisor. So I think, you know, really with COVID and a lot of people, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at things and. Maybe people trying to figure out how to work from home or whatever else. Obviously, we lost the entire 20 season um, during that year. We're here and the 21 may not even take place, you know, with COVID and obviously the Major League Baseball strike and everything else. So, um, so I took the extra time during that period to to kind of go back to what I originally was going to school for. I interned as a stockbroker back in the 80s and have a finance degree and worked in banking for a little while. And it came in handy for a run the financial side of, of the team. Um but just decided to spend a little extra time and and uh, not get on TikTok and actually study for exams. So passed all my <laughs> exams and still worked for two more years. And then, you know, th- this all just kind of came up. And I was like, you know what? I think it might be a good time to, to kind of step away. And, and uh, you know, so that's, that's really kind of what happened. So I've been doing this full time since, you know, for a few months here and uh, really kind of working on things and, whether it's studying classes, you know, online stuff, everything else, you know, really for a couple of years now. So if I need my $460 that's in my savings account managed, I can call you and you can help me out with that. I, I can put you in like a <laughs> six month C bill for, you know, 5.2% or something like that today. So yeah, I can, I got some great, I got some great items for you. Great annuity. I love it. I love it. Again, Wade Howell joining us here. <laughs> Let's, I, I do. I, I've got more than that, but you know, I just. I know you need some long term care insurance. So I do need don't some long term care. Everybody, everybody's. Gonna, it's not just not if you need it, when you're going to need it. So we'll <laughs> we'll talk about some long term care insurance. There you go. We definitely will. Uh, Wade Howell on the line with us right now. And uh, let's, let's uh, circle back to what we originally were talking about here, and that is uh, the Down East Wood Ducks. Uh, the news broke yesterday. Cool that the uh, team has been sold to a company called Diamond Baseball Holdings. Uh, about 10 minutes after uh, we broke that, uh, the Spartanburg Post and Courier announces that they've got a release that uh, the team is going to be, or the, the franchise is going to be moved to uh, to Spartanburg, South Carolina, as early as 2025. Now, here's, I don't know how much you're going to want to address of this, Wade, but a lot of finger pointing yesterday uh, on social media. I mean, on Facebook, Twitter, Everywhere, primarily on Facebook, but I mean, all three TV stations breathlessly reporting this and, you know, wanting to, you know, talking to folks and folks here in Kenston, like I said, between TV stations, between social media, pointing fingers at, hey, this is the mayor's fault. Hey, this is city council's fault. Hey, it's uh, the Texas Rangers fault. Hey, it's uh, what I've said the entire time. And I'll say what I said in the first hour with Scott Whittington. This is our fault. I mean, this is the the fans' fault as much as it is anybody. Wade, if you want to wait, ha, pun intended here, Wade, if you want to wade <laughs> into this pool a little bit here, if you're going to point fingers, and, and you're not that type of person, but if you're going to assign blame here for why this team is moving, where would you put, at whose feet, at what situation would you uh, place a responsibility for this at, Wade? You know, I don't, and I'm not trying to just, you know, 
straddle it. I, I don't know if it's any, there's no fault. Okay. I don't think there's okay. any blame anywhere. Like I said, it, it's a situation now with MLB running minor league baseball where the Rangers don't need to own the teams to control the environment because MLB does that for them through everything, day-to-day operationally and the facilities and everything else. So, um, so they can look to get out of that business and, again, use that money somewhere else that, you know, furthers an, another thing that they're doing, which is like these developments and, and sort of things like that. So, um, so it, it doesn't really, you know, and the sport, the sport, they're fine. Like the, we, we were, you know, I think it's, the Rangers didn't go into it with expectations that, you know, Kinston is the smallest market in all professional sports. Right. So I don't think they went into a fan. And we're going to make sure that out of 18,000 residents, there's 5,000 people here at the Granger Stadium every night. Uh, you know, they, they went into it with their eyes wide open. I think we understood that. Um, so it wasn't something where it's like, oh, well, locals didn't support it and fans didn't support it, you know, and they didn't make the money they were necessarily, you know, meant to make. So from a Ranger selling standpoint, none of that has anything. There's no blame to point anywhere like that. Um, you know, I, I, Again, I'm not associated with DBH, and I don't know those folks. So, if they are moving the team, that's a question for them. Of like, why are they, you know, why are they moving the team, and what did what do they want to do out out of that, and why are they not, you know, kind of looking at staying where the, you know, staying in Kinston and growing that. But, um, but from Ranger selling, which is the only thing I can address. I mean, there's no fault at all. It's just a, it's a business decision that basically, you know, they can have insight and run the business and make sure it's being run the way they want to without actually having to invest their own money and run it because MLB is running things now. Well, there you go. Uh, let me ask you, uh, that is in regards to the sale of the team, which is official. Uh, other than what we've seen in the Post and Courier from uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, they're the ones that, uh, you know, the reporter there saying that he's seen a release that the team has moved, that they're going to move this franchise, the Down East Wood Ducks, to Spartanburg, South Carolina as early as 2025. Uh, and I, I don't know if he mentioned it there. Bear in mind, I, I was just just overwhelmed with uh, messages and social media and all this stuff. But one of the things that I saw was the original lease agreement between the city of Kinston and this team was that we had to have had to average one hundred thousand fans a game. I, I saw that somewhere on social media yesterday. Uh, and as someone who was involved in that, I guess you know when you were the general manager of the team, can you just sh- share some light on that? I mean, I guess from what I was reading yesterday. This team could have been moved a couple of years ago. It's not just that it may be gone after the 2024 season, Wade, but that with the city of Kenton and what the city leaders at that time agreed to in 2016, that this team could have been gone a couple of years ago, according to the lease agreement. Am I am I far off there? Am I correct? Uh, your thoughts well, on that? It's, it's not 100000 per game. That would be incredible. No, no, no. So I'm sorry, 100000 yeah. per season. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, yeah, you're you're correct, and I think it's you know it's open records anyway. And I think uh, your friends at News News posted online recently uh, the lease when I think it was when all the Leland stuff, or maybe when the the rumor was out there about um, you know from the the radio guy that mentioned that the team was going to be sold. Um, it all is. I, I see a lot of that stuff online, right? Of people are like, well, you know, the current state leadership needs to address what's going on with the lease and. You know, the team needs to make this right if they're leaving all the other stuff. It's spelled out in the lease and has been spelled out in the lease since whatever, September, August 2016, when this thing was signed. There is a termination option in there. Um, 
and it's kind of got three situations, right? As most places would, there's one that's like, here's the amount of total lease payments you need to make. And if you want to leave during that period, you can subtract what you've paid so far and just pay the balance, right? That's kind of number one. Number two is like, if you find a replacement team, you could leave today. It's kind of a no cost sort of thing. And I've, I've seen the, I think Don Hardy, the mayor's made some comments about that, that. You know, maybe there's a replacement team. And so maybe those conversations are going on. But that third part is the one that you're talking about is that if, if the team did not average 100,000 fans per year in any two consecutive years, that they can opt out at no cost. Um, so again, I, I didn't negotiate the lease. I came in and John Clemens didn't either. So, you know, the two of us had nothing to do with it. Um, it was done between the leadership at that point, BJ and the, and the, and the Rangers, um, you know, and that was a part in there. So I don't know if they negotiated that, where that was and kind of along the lines there, but um, yeah, so you're right. In 17, we were over that number. We weren't in 18, 19. So as early as COVID when we lost the entire season and we had no revenues coming in, um, you know, the, the, it was in place at that point and we, they didn't get above those numbers in 21 or 22. So it's been four straight years under a hundred thousand. So if that's what somebody has noticed from looking at the lease, it's true. It's there. Um, and I think people have asked about the attendance numbers. Um, so yeah, those numbers are under there. So, you know, technically I guess that, you know, they could opt out today because, you know, using that clause and, um, they would owe the city nothing if they did that. Wow. And I just, I mean, obviously, and I'm not trying to take up for anybody here, Wade, but I mean, when you looked at the, the final, well, heck from, I'm looking at it right now from 1990 to 2011, the Kinston Indians never got under a hundred thousand. They were close a couple of times for a season, but uh, they never got under it. And I, I don't know. Maybe was that their thought process? And I know I'm asking you to speak for, uh, for people that you're not involved with, but I mean, from maybe the city leadership at that point that they thought, well, heck they did it from 1990 to 2011. They never got under a hundred thousand. This is a good line of demarcation. Uh, let's negotiate that. And then you don't meet it for four straight years in a row. That's, I don't know. I don't know. It's easy for me to Monday morning quarterback here away, but it just seems like, uh, I would, I don't even know if I would even put that into a lease agreement, dude. Yeah. And I, again, I don't know. It was, you know, I wasn't part exactly. of when the yes, baseball yes, yes. Yeah. back, but you know, the baseball back celebration there at Granger stadium and, and the lease was signed before that. I mean, I, I came in, you know, I think, um, Two months after that, right before, right, a couple of weeks before Hurricane Matthew, because that was my first uh, first day in Kinston. Um, so, and this was negotiated, you know, from July, August, uh, whatever, and was agreed to. But again, I, I have no idea the background of that. I knew it was there. You know, John and I, you know, we we talked about it. I think everybody knew it was there. We were never going. The Rangers were never going to use it at that point because COVID in 2020 would have been a perfect year to use it. Right? You're coming off of back to back under and not to go anywhere else just to say, Hey, we're, we're going to be severely challenged by this. You know, we need to opt out and renegotiate a lease here because we're about to lose, you know, seven or $800,000. Not only did we not opt out, we paid our full lease payment that year. I think we will, you know, I think some people know that the city would know that too. So we didn't even pay a scaled down version. And we, you know, we ran some showcase baseball tournaments. We did some BP events come October and stuff, but we had no revenue coming in and we still stayed, paid the full lease payment that was that was required by that in addition we get billed we they get billed you know for utilities which really kind of covers the 
light poles, right? Because the city runs utilities too. Um, it's in the lease as well. So if people pick it up and think it's fifteen and seventeen thousand dollars maybe for use of lights. We still we the city billed us for that that year too, even though we didn't use lights that year. We still got billed and we still paid that. So so we didn't opt out. We never the Rangers never intended to opt out and leave Kinston and that was in there. I don't know why it was in there, but they never intended to use it. It was just part of it. Could just been boilerplate stuff that that was used from a different you know agreement somehow. Um, but because there was obviously there was you know the most severe prime chance that ever if the Rangers want to say we we need to get out of this and renegotiate this lease here, um, you know because we're going to be affected here. And not only did we lose the entire season twenty, then we came back in twenty one. And we didn't have 70 games. We had 60 games. And it started to push back later. And that last two months that year were awful because we were getting more in the school year. And when we always, you know, the attendance always goes down when kids go back to school and start getting to mid, mid, late August. You know, we didn't finish up until the end of September that year. So that season was pretty bad. Um, and then, you know, 22, we did come back up on games. But so, yeah, I, you know, I can't answer that where it was and the, the discussions. Um, but, I'd mention that to people in passing sometimes. Um, people seem like they had no, you know, awareness of it being in the lease. But, you know, it's been in there since, you know, it was originally done and signed back, you know, almost seven years ago probably. Wow. Again, Wade Howell joining us this morning here on the Brian Hanks Show. We're talking about the sale of the Down East Wood Ducks. Uh, we're talking about the potential move of uh, the Woodies uh, to Spartanburg, South Carolina, which was reported again by the uh, Spartanburg uh, Post and Courier that it is going to happen in as early as 2025. Let me ask you this, and and you're out of the position now. I mean, they're, you know, being out of no longer the president of the uh, Downey Swood Ducks or the Hickory Crawdads right now. What did you feel about the relationship with the city of Kinston? And I'm talking about the city council with the mayor, uh, with uh, just city government in regards to the Downey Swood Ducks. Did you feel like they were doing everything they could to, to support the Down East Wood Ducks and support your franchise, or I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Just how was the relationship between you, uh, the Down East Wood Ducks, the Texas Rangers, and the city of Kenston and the mayor of Kenston? You know, I think it's it was always a good open dialogue. Whether it was you know my our main contact was the Parks and Rec director, so whether it was Bill Ellis to begin with or Corey, um, you know, in the last few years. And always felt like that was a good, open, you know, conversation and relationship there. Um, obviously, people focused on the video board. You know, it, that wasn't something that was, you know, inside the lease. So it wasn't something that was an obligation from the city, right? We went, like, if you rent a house, right? And you're just like, it's not like you're, you know, you have a problem that has to be fixed and it's called for to be fixed in the lease. You're like, hey, it'd be really nice if you, like, built me a swing set outside right <laughs> so in a weird way and your and the landlord just said you know what i don't think we've got money for that but you know we'll take care of the house for you like we're obligated to do um you know we didn't get it it was disappointing but you know we kind of moved on from it obviously we didn't we didn't opt out you know when we had the option to and we didn't move the team or anything like that as a result of it um you know we tried to find solutions with them um i think it's challenging because of you know, the, the budget and that there's not a lot of funds. And I think that's, that's just always going to be the challenge. It always has been. Uh, but, you know, I would say, you know, the items that we've had, you know, for the last, and some of it was when I was there and some of it's in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, a new walk-in cooler, a new walk-in freezer, a new AC, 
uh, unit for the clubhouses, um, redoing the roofs, all those things that really are probably outside of the budget. Um, whether it's Rhonda and Corey, you know, they've been like, they've been great of like, if we've had an issue and we're like, Hey, freezer just went down. We really need to buy a new one that we haven't, you know, they haven't like tried to find, like, let's find a short term solution. It's been, let's buy a new one. We'll find the money. We can pull money from here and we can address this. Um, and it's been addressing those issues and solving them from a long term standpoint. So it's been great. You know, I, I think, I think the public makes more of that because of the video board than we do yeah. and we did as a team, right? So, um, again, I'm, I'm removed a little bit for it now. It was around for the first weekend. Uh, first games but you know the last thing was really kind of a you know a cooler which was key to keeping beer cold right and that thing got fixed and like it i think it was done in like a month or two months earlier than what we we thought we were afraid it might not get done before the season and he jumped on it so quick it was done you know right away so um so it's been great i think that's just a i think maybe they're an easy scapegoat to throw this onto uh if the team does end up leaving and it hasn't been any fault of, you know, the city leadership or council or whoever is in charge of, again, Corey, Parks and Rec. Um, yeah, they've been great to work with. So, you know, but I, I get it. They're just an easy scapegoat, I think, for the, for the you know, same thing in the U.S., right? Biden or whatever, Trump or whatever, whoever's in charge <laughs> is an easy person to throw under when it's like, hey, he doesn't really control that. I mean, it's kind of joking. Same thing. You read Facebook, it's like, you know, the mayor's supposed to, like, you know, find a new, you know, to redevelop the mall and to maybe open like, you know, a new outlet store and stuff like that. And that's, I mean, that's not the role of what those people do. So, um, you know, it, it's, that's got to be come from the business side of things. So, uh, but yeah, I, hopefully that answers the question. There's been nothing. There's, that's not, again, that's not at all the reason why the Rangers sold the business. Um, the Rangers will tell you, without a doubt that they've absolutely loved Kinston. They were in a Rangers were in a very, very tough spot. You know, they got booed out of Myrtle Beach, were in high desert in an awful situation. And Kinston folks were at leadership at that time, BJ, Tony, everybody was as welcoming as could possibly be. Um, and you know, it was they stepped into a situation with the best league or best field in the league right away. Um, you know, the stadiums what the stadium is and the stadium probably would have always been okay unless, again, MLB takes over. When MLB takes over and they're like, oh, we got to have all these little mini Major League Baseball ballparks, you know, and it's going to cost you $3 million more, $3 million to get them up to standard. That's when things become an issue with that. Uh, but, no, from the very beginning, Kinston's been nothing but welcoming and open to the Rangers. Uh, they loved it. And, again, the Rangers just selling the team because they don't need to own it anymore. Yeah. Um, nothing to do with anything to do with any of the experiences they have with city leaderships or, or the city of Kinston. So. Well, to hear you say that, I think that's going to uh, – and I hope a lot of people hear what you just said too because, I mean, there's been a lot of blame that folks are – you know, and people are upset. I mean, they are. I mean, they're uh, – we need more, obviously. If we had more uh, fans coming to games, we wouldn't be probably in the issues that we're facing right now especially with the potential move. I mean, like I said, the sale would have happened anyway. And I love hearing you say, yep. I mean, it just, it is what it is. If we were averaging 4,000 fans a game at Granger stadium, this sale would have probably happened anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Rangers don't need to own the teams anymore. Again, yeah. none of the yeah. MLB teams need look around. And again, seeing 
go see the teams they're selling to DBH. And it's like, I me mean, only 20, I think we talked about it, it's only 120 teams left, you know, in minor league baseball now. And I think maybe 20 of them are owned by major league baseball or clubs. Um, you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, a lot of those teams now are the ones they're selling to DBH. Um, yeah. So, and DBH is, you know, they're really kind of a partner with MLB in this. They sell the, they sell a lot of the national advertising stuff that they do. Some of the, you know, they, they can do patches on the umpire's shirts, you know, shirts and things. They sell some online stuff. You know, I think their goal eventually is to own like 60 teams. So it's not something where it, they're getting into this lightly. I mean, this is kind of really kind of a, a partnership that they're, I don't know what the end game is, but kind of a partnership that they're going down the road with MLB on. Um, and again, the, you know, they're, I think they're kicking the tires on all 120 teams and some of, some of the triple A teams like a Charlotte or Durham, Durham, maybe double A, you know, that are independently owned, but do really, really well and are in good markets are like, no, thank you. We're, we're good on that. But uh, the ones that are MLB owners are like, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll take that money and, and do something else with it over here. Um, and you remember, some teams are struggling with their regional networks now as well mm-hmm. because of the Bally's deal. So anybody that had a Bally's regional network deal, um, you know, those those funds aren't coming into an MLB club. So they're kind of DBH may be hitting some of those teams at the right time as well if they're like not getting, you know, the the right fees that they would have gotten from a regional TV network like they have in the past. Well, there you go. Uh, last question about this because we've got to talk NFL, dude. I did way too much work this morning for us not to talk some NFL futures here in a moment. But if the team gets moved, and again, Spartanburg is reporting that that's going to happen, Wade. Uh, is there blame to assign there? Is it just that DBH wants to put uh, you know, their team that they now own in a, uh, a bigger market, even though they're going to be spending, I guess, between them and the city? millions and millions of dollars to build a stadium in downtown Spartanburg. I guess my main question is, again, hearing all these boo birds and hearing all these folks here in Kenston who are understandably, don't get it twisted. They're upset. I'm upset, but they're wanting to, people are wanting to place blame at the feet of somebody here. Wade Howell. I mean, who, who, if there's blame to assign, who gets the blame for the team being moved from uh, historic Granger stadium to if it's Spartanburg or wherever it might end up going to. Again, I don't, I don't know if there is. I mean, okay. Okay. you know, if, if, if what's reported yesterday in that story is correct, I mean, that's an incredible development, right? That they're working on there. Uh, you know, it sounds like at least they said they've been squirreling away like $34 million over the last, you know, few years. And that this is like a $100 million stadium, maybe in a $250 million complex. That's, it's just the, it's the way that minor league baseball is moving and going to almost like the minor, the, the major league baseball level, right? Like it's great you can go and it's still going to be family affordable fun inside the ballpark. But if there's restaurants, if there's bars, if there's hotels, if there's, you know, apartments, all those things outside, then the club is going to own all those as well. So just as, you know, the Braves own all that area outside around the battery, right? So same concessionaire, DNC, and the Braves own it. Same thing with Texas Live. So if you're going to a game, you're like, I don't want to eat inside. I don't want to eat a hot dog. I eat this great food because it's not stadium food. It's stadium food. It's just served as a little different package, <laughs> and it's probably more expensive outside the stadium. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're at the yard house outside of, you know, the battery in Atlanta and eating some great food because, you know, they can't have that inside, that's fine. It's, it's still – DNC is doing that outside as well, and the Braves are getting that money from you. So, 
that's what everybody wants, right? The way to like kind of conceive, monetize you know, that trip and have you as a captive, you know, audience longer than just that two hours or whatever you're inside the ballpark. So um, another change too is the new PDL is that you know teams didn't you have to didn't used to have to worry about housing players, right? Players were on their own, and that loss, all this stuff, is a result of that lawsuit that players did. But you know, teams now have to pay for the housing for players, and I think you know, we could talk hours more because you know the the players now are all part of Major League Baseball Players Union, which they weren't before. That changed before this year. So if Major League Baseball strikes, minor league baseball now strikes, which was never the case. But anyway, so, so you got to pay for housing. So a lot of people are also looking for ways to build housing for players. So all that stuff that's kind of all tied together here and along with the facility stuff, which is, you know, the same clubhouse for, you know, home and visitor, a female facility for female coaches, you know, reps, visiting, you know, club officials, um, you know, weight rooms, two batting cages, all those things. It's easier just to build. I mean, I'm in Asheville. They're saying it's going to be, I think they were asking for $60 million to renovate their stadium. Wow. I mean, that's really a new stadium. So, um, so I think there, you know, you look for a place you can do that, and I guess that's the simple economic truth. Like that, that facility, that district, that that thing would not would not work in Kempston, right? There's just not the economic dollars to support it there. So if it does, I mean, they're just leaving because they're looking at an opportunity where it's like they're getting it paid for. It's probably not. They're probably not having to fund some of that stuff. It's going to be an incredible stadium that's going to meet all the standards. It's going to meet all their needs. And then also they're going to be able to monetize it. And the city's going to be able to monetize it as well from a tourism standpoint. So, um, yeah, we worked on that and tried to do that with the video board of like, here's the economic impact that the team has. Um, but, you know, I think that's, you know, you can look at that. I mean, I think the Wood Ducks economic impact for Kinston and Lenore County is like $2 million. So team does go away. That comes out of the mark. That comes out of that. We used to try to talk about that so people understood it. You know, I can't imagine what the Spartanburg they can look at that number where that's going to be 50, 60, 70 million dollars, whatever number they're going to look at is they're going to be their economic impact. So, you know, 250 is a, is a small investment to be able to make that up in four or five years, maybe. There you go. Well, uh, Wade Howell, former general manager of Down East Wood Ducks, uh, former president of the team too, now uh, no longer with the team, a financial advisor up in uh, up in Asheville. Really appreciate you uh, giving us some clarification because again, we're going to pump this out. I want people to know. I mean, I listen, it's just people are wanting to throw daggers at city officials. They're wanting to throw daggers at John and Janelle. They're wanting to throw daggers at you. They're wanting to throw daggers at, you know, at folks that have been involved with this team. I love to hear, I mean, it, just straight facts instead of emotionalism, instead of, you know, and I'm upset too. I mean, I want folks to know that. I'm mad that this team is going to be leaving, but I'm mad at us. I'm mad at us as fans, Wade. I mean, uh, but even if this team was averaging three, four thousand is unrealistic, but if this team was averaging 2,500 fans a game, this still probably, if the sale does, I mean, well, the sale's gone through. If the team is moved, it's probably because dbhc spartanburg says you know what hey even though we could potentially if if we were getting 2500 fans a game in kenston heck we're probably going to get six or seven thousand fans a game in spartanburg a, a market that is three or four times the size of uh of kenston this was going to happen anyway i guess is what and hearing you say all that that's it's what it is and 
It's just life. We're just not a big enough market. It's just time for us to realize as the city of Kenton, as eastern North Carolina, as Lenore County, we cannot support a minor league baseball team any longer. And it's a sad fact of life. It's not the same situation it was in 2011 when that bastard stole our team uh, up in Zebulon. <laughs> and uh, I, I will hate him until uh, the, the day I go to my grave, Wade Howell. You know this. John knows this. Everybody knows this completely different situation now let's quit throwing daggers let's support this team while we have it if it is for just another season after this or if it's for longer whatever it is we need to support this team and i know you support that 100 percent, don't you wait how oh yeah yeah and i you know the, again the, the domino that started all this if you want to blame somebody it's probably mlb blame mlb so because that's what happened them taking over minor league baseball is the the beginning of all this but no, I, I agree, and, you know, it sounds like there's conversations about whether it's an independent team or a Coastal Plains team. I think you see, you know, Greenville just got maybe it's Coastal Plains or something. So, um, you know, the the if you get a team like that, it still has baseball. It, you know, Granger Stadium still has baseball. People locally still have baseball games to go to. Um, and, you know, there's not that same requirement that you have with a MLB affiliate. So in some ways it's going to be better for, you know, everybody involved in the city involved and taxpayers and whatever you want to look at it because, you know, those leagues don't come, even though there's some improvements that probably, you know, that they would just do as normal improvements to the stadium, but nobody's going to come in and say, Hey, we, we need you to spend $3 million and fix the stadium or you can't host games anymore. So, cause that's just what MLB is doing. So it's not what, you know, those independent league teams do. So it's still just the field. As long as it's field and the field's in great shape and Steven always does a great job there and it's one of the best fields in you know, in the league, in low A, high A, whatever it's been. Um, you know, somebody's gonna be interested in playing there, so you just gotta find the right fit. Amen. Okay. Dude, I cannot believe we've done 49 minutes on this. I, my my game plan, my schedule was to do 30 and 30, but I've got to pay an ad real quick, and then uh, we'll uh, get to what I want to talk about, and that's the uh, NFL Futures. want to thank our good friends at UNC Lenore Healthcare. They're the exclusive sponsor of the big interview every day here on the Brian Hanks Show. Nestled in the heart of Lenore County right here in Kenston, UNC Lenore Healthcare's mission is to ensure exceptional health care for the people it serves. Uh, with a medical staff of more than 100 physicians, UNC Lenore Healthcare offers a range of specialty services and technology you would only expect to find at hospitals in larger cities. Visit UNC Lenore Healthcare at 100 Airport Road right here in Kenston for all your healthcare needs or call them at 252-522-7000. You can also email them at info at Lenore.org or visit their comprehensive website at UNCLenore.org. And again, thank you so much to Beverly Jenkins. <clears throat> all the folks over at UNC Lenore Healthcare for being the exclusive sponsor of the big interview. Our big interview, our good friend Wade Howell uh, joining us here on the Brian Hanks Show today. And we've got about 10 minutes here. Uh, but I wanted to talk about uh, NFL futures. It's just right around the corner. If one thing that I've enjoyed talking to you about through our, uh, I guess, our uh, the entire time we've been on the air here, three and a half years. This is, by the way, your 44th appearance. How about that in uh, three and a half years, even though it's the first Thank one Aaron. since July. There you go. Number 44. I love it. But uh, I got to tell you something to tell. I tell you what. You are the expert here. Explain to, you know, maybe novice gamblers like myself, which you've really helped me in uh, uh, the gambling realm of sports. When we say NFL futures, what are we talking about? Well, I think it depends. I, I When you said it, I looked at win totals. Yep. Um, 
but then also looked at Super Bowl odds. So I think a future is just anything that, again, it's a, it's a future bet, right? It's not like a game bet. It's not like a prop bet. So when I look at futures, I'm like, it's something you would, you would do now. And then there's going to be payoff somewhere down the road in the future. And those are the two main things that everybody looks at with NFL. I think if you feel like you have an edge somewhere on a, a win total or, you know, a, a, the odds to win a division or to win NFC or AFC and then to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what everybody's kind of looking at. Now that their schedules are out, that's the key, right? You can, you can do it before then on the, you know, like right off the bat, as soon as the last year's Super Bowl was over, you could have bet. I'm sure Vegas posted a line on, on Kansas City or Philadelphia as the two favorites to, to win for, for next year. But until you see the schedule and see, you know, how it lays out for teams, and that's where you can kind of, you know, figure out maybe who has an edge because everything in the NFL is about parity, right? The, you know, the, win, the teams that win the division always seem to match up against each other, and, you know, it's easier for a team at the bottom to kind of get up to the top because they're going to face the other teams that finish kind of out of the playoffs and then the bottom across the, the league outside of who's in their division. And then anybody in the AFC always gets in one AFC division, and I tried to lay that out in that thing I sent you too. Like the NFC North plays all the teams in the AFC West. So a little bit of a disadvantage because now they got Kansas City, Chargers, and Denver, and, and Vegas that they're playing, whereas the, the AFC team that catches the which AFC South and the NFC South play the two really weak divisions, somebody like Jaguars really could be as good as everybody thinks because their schedule is really easy. Or somebody like Atlanta or New Orleans could come up because they're playing Houston and Indianapolis and Carolina and Tampa and some teams are going through some changes and things. So anyway, that's that's uh, what I look at. Very good. Well, some of the numbers that jumped out at me, and uh, I guess I'm just going to jump to one that just impressed me more than anything. The NFC North odds have the Detroit Lions winning the NFC North. And I just, I guess I'm just so used, I'm so accustomed, Wade, to so many years of the Lions being bad and, you know, never making a Super Bowl. Uh, never, I mean, I don't even know how many playoff games have they even won in the Super Bowl era. There's been not that many, but they are, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but they're the favorites to win the NFC North. They've got them at, uh, where I'm looking at it, Forbes betting, they've got them at plus 140 ahead of the Vikings, who I think is a pretty good team, at plus 250. The Bears at 330, and then even the Packers. And yes, I know Aaron Rodgers is gone from the Packers, but I still think they're going to be a pretty doggone good team. That's the one of everything that jumped out to me the most, Wade. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the Jags were always going to be a huge favorite, and their win total is always nine and a half, and that's their bigger favorites than that to win that division. Because when I mean, you look at all three of those teams in there, they're they're kind of going through a you know transition and new quarterbacks and things. You know, the Lions are. We've seen this before, right? We saw it with the Browns a few years ago, where it's like they start playing well at the end of one season, and everybody picks the Browns to win the next season. They have a horrible year. The Browns happen. The Jets, people keep waiting on that with the Jets. And same thing, they're even more overvalued this year because they got Aaron Rodgers who hurt himself, you know, stretching yesterday. So <laughs> um, I think that's – I know they're your new team, but they're way, way overvalued there. I'm the same way. I don't – Lions are going to go from a team that's perennial, like underdog, you know, can fly under the radar, which they did almost all last season, to now the favorite um, – I tried. I, I looked at win totals, and you know, I I love a team like Chicago 
and then I would probably play the under in Detroit. I think this is a everybody can pick on the NFC South. I think the Atlanta and the Saints can be really good, and the Jaguars are going to be really good in the AFC South. I think this is the division where it used to be like the NFC East, right? Like ah, somebody's going to win it seven and nine or eight and eight. I think that's what's going to happen here because I think uh, all okay. four. I think all four of these teams are pretty even, right? Um, Detroit's got a good offense. They don't have a great defense. You know, Minnesota's got a great offense with adding the, the additional people they did. Um, really, really tough schedule. And the Bears' second year, I'm not sure how I am a field, but second year, head coach, um, quarterback, they added some really good support people. You know, they are getting the easier schedule. I looked at their schedule. They play Washington, who's going to be really down. Carolina, who's going to be down. Cleveland, Arizona. You know, they catch some teams. You know, outside of their division and the AFC division they play, which is the West. Um, you know, I kind of like their over. I don't know if I like them to win it. I think I'd probably, I probably would take Minnesota just because I don't. I just think usually teams going into the season with this, you know, losers, perennial losers to expected to win don't fare well. So I don't think the Lions are going to win it. So I'd look at Vikings and maybe the Bears. I don't hate the, the Packers either. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, Love played a little bit. I know that they got a great run game. They got defense. I, mean, I can't remember what they did on the on the draft. Um, they have to look at that. But you know, and they're going to get some matchups and things like that where they're you know, I don't know if they're going to play. They're probably going to be focused on TV just because the you know they're the Packers. But um, yeah, I would roll Vikings. But also was thinking you can find a I don't know if you can find a prop for the division that the the team that wins may not have a winning record. That wins the division. That's right because there's 17 games, so yeah. it could be right. Yeah, they could be eight and nine as the as the division winner. So well, I love that. Listen, I hate to do, do. We've literally have two and a half minutes left, but I just wondered you when you were looking at this, what was the anomaly? It goes Brian. Uh, Brian needs to make a bet here because you, you've turned him into a degenerate. Okay, I guess I was a degenerate. You just brought the degenerate out in me here, uh, Wade. But of yeah. all, when you look at all these numbers, all the futures. What one stands out to you and made Wade Howell shake his head and go, wait a minute, that is off. Maybe it was a win total. Maybe it was a plus minus to win a division. What was the number one out of all of those? Bearing in mind, like I said, dude, we've only got about two minutes left here. Go ahead. I think, yeah, I'll be quick. I think, you know, the the Steelers, second year quarterback, ticket was, you know, was iffy to start, so they were rotating he and Trubisky, so it'll be his first full year, but um, you know, I, I had to go back. I forgot about this. Mike Tomlin's been the head coach 16 seasons. You know, has never had a losing record. They went six and one in their last seven games last year to not have a losing record last year. I saw their win total was eight and a half. So nine and eight, they win that, you know, it's over win total and they, you know, he doesn't have a, a winning or he has a winning record again. Only two, t- only two coaches in the history of NFL, Tom Landry and Bill Belichick, have longer consecutive seasons without having a losing record. So, um, and they just got more. They got they had a great draft. A couple offensive linemen, the cornerback from Penn State, Porter in the second round, which kind of fell to them. I think Pickett will be better in year two, second year quarterback. Um, but they get lost, right? Because you got Cleveland with Watson, you got Cincinnati. And now you got, you know, Baltimore and Lamar signed this contract. They're just under the radar. And I just don't think you put 
you know, the Steelers under the radar like that, where I think you could get some really great value from them uh, with not having to go into the season with a with a rookie quarterback. And for some reason, Tomlin just gets ignored. It's like one of the, you know, probably top two to three coaches in the NFL, right? So behind Reed and I don't know who else, maybe the maybe the Jags coach. Belichick? Think You're not going to include Belichick in that? Yeah. No, that was Brady, too. So, <laughs> I love it. I um, love it. Well, I mean, look at what's he done the last, I don't know, what's he done post? I mean, Mac, he's not turned Mac Jones into Brady, so what's he done posting? And they're the weakest team in that division, so they may get slapped around a little bit more this year in, in that division if the Jets actually do play well. I think Arizona is just tanking. I'm shocked at five and a half wins. Their schedule is tough. Um, they could potentially have the number one and number two pick. That new head coach, I'm not sure about. Um, I, I, I mean, not sure about Kyler. And there are, I, people have already said, hey, you know, they get tanked, right? Because those trades they made, I can't remember whose pick they get. But they get one and two. I mean, they could go Caleb, number one, right? They could go Marvin Harrison Jr. at number yep. two. Hey, and have what, the best quarterback and wide receiver in the in the draft. And I, I love um, you. I love you, Wade. I got it. We're we're ten seconds away. I know. Thank you, Wade. How I appreciate you. Thank you to Scott Whittington. First hour. We'll see you tomorrow on the Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College.